never thought back in the end of 2019 when we were discussing with the leadership about what a transition involves that we'd be experiencing some of the things we are right now. We had anticipated that we would be helping people learn how to communicate. We were anticipating helping a team find a new pastor, and we anticipated that people wouldn't necessarily be agreeing on things, and we knew that we wanted to help put the focus on the gospel and discipleship. But with the COVID-19 experience and our responsibility now to transition back into meeting together, uh, it is evident that that has a possibility of creating some opportunities for us to learn how to deal with each other when we have disagreements. Kosti Hinn uh, put together an article not too long ago about the navigating different COVID-19 recovery convictions. In there, he has a quote of one of his friends, uh, Charles Smith, who says this, one of the most challenging aspects of the COVID-19 recovery will be disagreements over acceptable post-COVID social norms between friends and family. Hurt feelings will abound if we're not careful. Extend lots of grace. Everyone is different. It is for that reason that we felt it important to talk about how we deal with those things that are different. Today, I've chosen to use 1 Corinthians chapter 8 to give us a, a platform for this discussion. Corinthians are known for the fact that they had disagreements. Matter of fact, they had a challenge with being unified on many different fronts. The initial statements that come from Paul in the first few chapters are challenging them to not develop their own little cliques of who they were following. They had difficulties in recognizing that they were a whole body working together under Jesus Christ. Uh, they also were challenged in chapter 5 of the fact that they were too independent on the responsibilities of helping a sinning brother to come about and make repentance. And then also in chapter 6, he is exhorting them of the importance of the church coming alongside, helping people that are in dispute so they don't have to go to the law. And we also are very aware of that time in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where they even struggled on how to get together for communion in remembering the Lord Jesus Christ. Some thought that they could just emphasize what they had and celebrate it accordingly, not recognizing the difference between the haves and the have-nots and totally missing the point of the communion uh, experience. So Corinthians is a, a, an exceptional portion to be able to focus on how to have unity. So we are going to, in Growing in Crisis, look at 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 13, dealing with differences. Love is typically placed uh, as opposition to hate or even indifference. But Paul contrasts it here in Corinthians with knowledge. He says this, Now concerning food offered to uh, idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but loves build up. 
the, uh, the thing about knowledge is that it is important for us. And we have various sources in which we seek our knowledge. Paul is talking specifically about the knowledge of what the Bible says about God. But he warns that if we put our emphasis on just getting the knowledge for ourselves, it will just puff ourselves up. Where Paul is encouraging us the contrast of knowledge puffing up, but love builds up. Paul is dealing with an issue that has facts that come from the sound teaching of the Bible. As we look at what we are dealing with, whether it's looking for a new pastor or whether it's looking how to come back from the COVID crisis and and what types of things are considered normal going forward, uh, we're dealing with an issue where facts come from various sources Uh, and some of those sources with different uh, agendas. And so as a result, the knowledge that we have might be different because we don't have that standard of the scriptures that are described in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul also has an issue that was primarily from worship and stewardship. When you think of particularly the COVID-19 situation, you're dealing with a situation that situation that involves health, uh, economy, worship, stewardship, government, social implications. There are so many different facets of the issues that are there. So as a result, people might find themselves in different perspectives on the situation, depending upon what sources they trust or they don't trust and what type of a interests they have, what kind of background they might have, even what might be their physical situation at this particular time. Paul's issue clearly identified the weaker brother as the ones that couldn't eat the meat offered to the idols. However, as we look at the issues that we're considering, whether that of calling a new pastor where we do have good sound biblical principles, but yet there are a variety of interests that might come along with that. Or as you look at how to approach the COVID-19 situation, the issues are not as clear as to who might be a weaker brother. In my opinion, each of us needs to grow in faith in some facet that we need to be be. Uh, trusting God, whether it's trusting God for something that is of a physical nature or a financial nature or even a political nature. Paul encourages us that our emphasis on love is to, uh, to not allow our knowledge to be used selfishly, but to use it instead to encourage others. This is uh, played out in, in this statement here in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, where Paul introduces the chapter. He's just been, he's right in the midst of talking about spiritual gifts, another area where the Corinthians struggled with unity. And he is expressing to them that if I have blank but don't have love, then I'm nothing. He talks about the various spiritual gifts and picks out the ones that typically are ones that uh, individuals would exalt. And he said, even if I have all of that, but don't have love, I am nothing. And then he talks about the emphasis on the sacrifice, even to martyrdom. And if I'm willing to die for this, 
but do not have love, then what is that going to accomplish? So the knowledge needs to be accompanied with love. He goes on in verse 2 to say this, If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Uh, Paul is, is attacking a little bit our tendency to think we know something. Now, if anybody in the room should know something, it would be the Apostle Paul. He should be the one with great knowledge, and he could have set this whole thing straight and said, this is the way it should be, and you should do it. In a sense, he does, although he doesn't necessarily tell them what kind of knowledge they need to have in regard to the idols. He talked more about the knowledge that they needed to have about who God is, who we are, and how we should respond. Uh, when we think about our situation, particularly with the COVID-19 issue, there are a lot of things that uh, we don't know. There are conflicting ideas in regard to science. Uh, there are conflicting ideas as to who the experts are. Uh, there are things that we think we know. Uh, those are our theories, uh, our theories that uh, develop our opinions that we feel we have a right to share and encourage to uh, others to embrace. And then the things we know in part, like how to balance faith and stewardship and which one needs to be emphasized more in a decision like coming back to church or a decision as in what we should do in coming back to church. Uh, things we know for sure, those are those direct commands that, uh, that God says that we should, we should obey our government uh, in Romans chapter 13. We need to respond to each other in love. Uh, we need to continue to uh, trust God and believe that we can have his provision whether we have much or whether we have little, as Paul mentions in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, things we know for sure it is about loving God. He says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. An element that seems to be prevalent when we have issues where someone doesn't agree with us is whether or not we're being understood. That may lead to us uh, being using more words or maybe more volume or getting more emphatic or getting more resources all to where our point could be understood. And that is something that we uh, cherish much. Some of us, uh, when we're not understood, we don't want to mess with it and we move on to find someone who does understand us and as a result are not interested in debate. And as, as a result, that's the way some of these things play out. They do not encourage strong relationships. I think it's fitting that Paul puts in here, if we love God, we are known by God. You see, that's the most important thing. Oh, it'd be wonderful if everybody agreed with us, right? But the important thing is that we know that God knows us. He knows our heart. He knows our intent. He knows what our agenda is. He understands us even when we are misunderstood by others. And as we look at that in context of all of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it is helpful as we look at what we really ought to be knowing. Our first portion was talking about how love is over knowledge. The second portion talks really about what we should know, not what we think we know. 
we should know about God and we should know about others. The first thing uh, that Paul talks about is this. He says, therefore, as to eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. Paul makes it very clear. We know theologically that there is a God and the idols are not. When we studied Isaiah 40, it was very evident that God was clear there's nothing that compares to me. None of these idols that the other uh, religions and countries and, and nations have developed are anything like me. So there's no argument as to whether the idols are true or not. But what is true is God is genuine and he is real. And he is one, he, he, there is one God the Father from whom are all things and for whom we exist, one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. He is a God that not only exists and is real, he has made it possible that all things, including ourselves, exist. This is important because it talks about even those elements that were used to make the idols were created by God and for God. Uh, the meat that was offered to those idols were created by God and for God. And the individuals who are in debate, whether they eat or not, were created by God and for God. That kind of reminds me of what Paul said in Romans 14 as he was dealing with a similar issue, he, he instead talks about from the creation perspective, he talks about it from the lordship perspective. He says this, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master he stands or falls. In that context, he too was talking about the different scruples that people have, that their convictions did not match up, and he was warning them against judging God's servant. I think Paul also in Corinthians 8 is, is sharing and reminding us that we were created by God and for God, and that we ought to look at this whole thing, uh, whatever it might be, in that context. He says this, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. Paul is giving us the priority of God. What's interesting is nowhere does God command to eat meat offered to idols. So those with knowledge that come in and say, well, the idol is not real, and this is a great deal on some meat, and I can save money, and I can give the rest to the church and help people. It's a good stewardship move. But nowhere did God say, do this good stewardship move like this. We will run into several things just like this, where we are attempting to please God in a way of using some principles to do that, and we should. Where we get into trouble is when we attempt to impose that on someone else and say, you too can please God this way. You too can be a good steward this way. And if they do not have the conscience to be able to do that, then we are getting into territory that is not a priority of God's. God's priority is that we love one another and that we remember we are created by him and for him. And there are some issues that we might be 
taken up because we want to defend our actions more than we really want to defend the character of God. We shouldn't make this our issue. God was okay with them eating the meat, but he did not command them to do it. Not only should we understand how God is by these verses, Paul is just kind of pulling back the uh, curtain a little bit to let them see what is going on in the lives of those who cannot eat, the ones who could not eat the meat offered to idols. He doesn't go into much detail, but I have somewhat of an imagination to try to consider what types of things people struggled with. Genuine fears, genuine uh, uh, concerns, genuine things that went, just went crosswise on them as they observed these other individuals eating meat that was offered to an idol that at one time they believed was going to be the answer to their needs. If you can just kind of fathom what it might have been like for an individual at that time that may have brought a, some meat that they had prepared uh, for that idol with great anticipation that the more emphasis they put on that meat, the more care they put into it, that that answer would be what they wanted. And then to discover that none of that was true and that now they wanted to worship the one true God. But how difficult it would be to be able to observe others that are taking it so nonchalantly that they just look at it as just meat, that it's not meat that has anything done to it. And in reality, nothing really has been done to it, but there are some things in the heart of the individual who presented it to the idol. And there was some intent on the person who presented it to the idol for them. And so they struggled with that, and they had a hard time working through this. Uh, Paul says, not all possess this knowledge, and their conscience being weak is defiled. I saw an example of that when I went to Peru with a small group on a missions trip. We were just do, using a portion of a day to, to do some sightseeing, and one of the places we went to was a place of one of their worship areas there. And in there, there are many statues and such that was to venerate uh, some saints that they had uh, uh, lifted up, etc. And for me, it was interesting art. But for one of the individuals that was with us, that was a difficult situation. They had to remove themselves because emotionally they could not enjoy the art because of what it was associated with in their previous worship before coming to know Jesus Christ. It was a stumbling block to that person because of it. And I really had no clue and didn't even perceive that that would be a problem when we arranged to go in and, and look at this, uh, this beautifully ornated place. But we should uh, consider the fact that we are dealing with, uh, as I mentioned earlier, some weaknesses that we might have. And I am not willing to say I know who the weaker brother in any of these situations are, whether a person is more prone to uh, look at their fears of how the COVID might affect uh, physical situations or someone who might be more concerned about economical uh, or political situations. Each of us need to learn how to depend on God and to understand what God's plan is, even in these areas where we don't know ha have all the facts. 
we should be concerned about how we impact others. If anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? Are there some ways in which we might be discouraging others with our maybe our opinions or maybe our actions and determine that this could be a difficulty maybe it wouldn't necessarily sway them to go do something that they shouldn't be doing by their conscience but it certainly we should be concerned about how that we present ourselves though we have a right to have our opinion how we do that is is very important Paul, again, in Romans 14, has these words to encourage us in regard to our own conscience. And this is critical as we consider uh, gathering back together again, because it's not going to be the same for everyone. Some are going to be very uh, excited about getting together and may not be as concerned about the social distancing element. Others might be very concerned and even to the point have to decide not to come back right away. And the importance of that is that each one needs to be convinced in their own heart in regard to this, because there are factors outside of the importance of gathering together to worship. And we as a church leadership have recognized that we can provide at this particular crisis an opportunity for those that cannot get together with us physically to still enjoy our music worship and the preaching of the word and to uh, have ways in which they can get together, whether it's uh, uh, through some of our video uh, interaction and such so that we can continue and we have continued over the last two months of really having church and having an impact in, our, in, our, in, in the lives of others. But he says this in chapter 14, he says, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. We can be guilty of going contrary to our conscience, that there might be areas that aren't as clear to us in Scripture as to how we should go, but in our hearts we are not convinced we have the freedom to do that. The sacrificing element is emphasized in verse 9. He says, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. There are other passages of Scripture, if we don't want to consider the weaker brother concepts, as as I've stated already, I'm not sure how that uh, the actual weaker brother uh, concept uh, impacts us in regard to our issue of the day, But I do know that Paul has regularly emphasized the importance of deference in the other places in which he talks about our relationships. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, he tells us, outdo one another in showing honor. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 is that common passage that we've used often that we should be concerned about the interests of others. Ephesians 5.21, we are exhorted to submit to one another. Colossians 3.13, we are to bear one another, uh, bearing with one another. And and Galatians 5.13 that we looked at several weeks ago, that by love we ought to serve one another, not use our liberty for the opportunity of our own flesh, but by love 
serve one another. And of course, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, as we considered that book last week, he says that we should build one another up. We should consider how that our actions with others are involved with building up or whether they are actually tearing down. He says, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. We not only take the risk when we are careless on how we respond to a brother who might be thinking differently on some of these issues, we are careless in the sense that we could be actually sinning against Christ. And so keep that in mind as you look at uh, the, uh, this potentially difficult time of that post-COVID era where we're trying to figure out how do we move forward into what social norms would be like? What types of uh, uh, ministries need to be added and when and how? What types of things need to be altered because of what we've experienced over the last two months? These type of questions require much uh, prayer and patience and realization that we're dependent upon following God and some of those things that he puts into place. When we chose to close down, we did so because our government said that it is the right thing to do. And we are obliged as Christians to be a great testimony to others by willing to be obedient to our government. And so that was a deference that we were willing to do. Uh, we can defer by taking our uh, rights and replacing them with responsibilities. Certainly, we have a right to express our opinion. Certainly, have a responsibility on how we do it. And there are some venues where it just isn't beneficial or helpful. And we encourage you to consider that as you think about what you really want people to understand about you. Also, we want to encourage the importance of the really what we stand for as a church. We stand for be a disciple, make a disciple. We stand for seeing the, the mandate of God go forth that we might be making disciples. Sometimes our causes can get above the disciple-making process. We need to ensure if we're going to properly defer to the needs of others that we are making discipleship a priority over what causes that we are concerned about. Also, there are things that are better done in private than they are in public. And some discussions are totally misunderstood in public forums. And as a result, they do not have the impact that it was intended. And then fourthly, just realizing that it is hard. It is hard to choose to know who to trust. But it is a better Christian virtue to trust over being skeptic, that we should desire to, to love others, to believe all things. Uh, and again, I say that realizing that there are sources, resources out there that have certain agendas, and we ought to be aware of that. But we also need to know that our priority needs to be on what God has made the priority of loving others, of encouraging them to grow, to be like Jesus Christ, helping them to know that they can have eternal life 
through your son, his son, Lord Jesus Christ, that, that our responsibility here is to use the time that we've gone through, this crisis, to make sure that Christ is the one who is exalted. And that needs to also reflect in where our fears are and where our hope is. And I trust that as you consider where your fears are, that God has told you, do not be afraid and fear not, and to be trusting him, whether it's for the physical challenges that this crisis has brought us or the uh, social challenges, the political challenges, the economical challenges. We need to be trusting God and to know that he created us and he created us for him. Father, as we close our time together, we are encouraged to realize that you care about our times of crisis, that you care about our differences of opinions. Paul was willing to go into a situation where there was pretty evident information that the idols weren't real and the food was not a problem. But he wanted to make a point to let people know that you care more about the hearts and the conscience and the, the, uh, the lives of the disciples than you do about some of these other things. Father, may we do the same. We are treading in some areas that there's a lot of things that we don't know. And we need to be careful that we focus on the things that we do know. There's a lot about COVID that we don't know, but there's a lot about you that we do know. And we do know you want us to love one another, be patient with one another, and to continue to exhort and encourage. Help us, Lord, to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.